0: the laker team now you follow the box scores the games every day just the lakers you're kidding that is really a compliment i was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts you have a game face you don't smile much out there
2: i don't think you have to
0: do things for money anymore correct
1: What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius, and the Lakers' six-game playoff winning streak was snapped tonight as they fell 114-106 to the Denver Nuggets in Game 3, in a game where they fell short in a furious fourth-quarter comeback. Um, In the pod preview, it was titled Appropriate Fear, and we talked a lot about that concept, right, and about how... Effort and focus tends to wane when you don't possess that. We're not going to talk about that a ton in this pod, but I do want to start out with it. The Denver Nuggets are... Uniquely equipped to pick apart the type of mistakes that come from waning focus and effort, and that's specifically in the form of Jokic's passing, in that when breakdowns happen, especially on the defensive end, it usually ends up like a guy's slow to rotate, a guy's slow to close out. And But it's a matter of being slow to doing what you're supposed to do. Maybe two guys rotate to one player, leaving somebody else open. And with the old basketball adage of the ball moves faster than any player can, teams that pass especially well are particularly equipped to pick apart teams that are not executing properly. And and Denver's an execution team. We are, um, we're very much a defensive team. I I We remind me of like an NFL, like the 85 Bears, right? The Lawrence Taylor Giants. I know I'm going way back. The 2000 Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Those teams that have these blitzing, suffocating defenses that can turn defense into offense. And that's when we're at our best, right? And we saw both Denver at their best and we saw the Lakers at their best, but for a shorter period of time in that fourth quarter. And Denver couldn't even get a shot up, right? Like when we went on that run, they were having difficulty. We switched to some 2-3 zone. Um, Rondo was playing great ball pressure. But those are the types of mistakes, right, that uh, when we're not playing at our best that we're going to make. Yeah, And if these playoffs have taught us anything, it's that Denver, like you got to kill Denver. Denver's not going to give up. They're not going to be a team that rolls over and they're going to play at a solid, like Denver's a good basketball team. They're They're really
2: good, man. They were the third, they were third in the West and they should have been second in the West, all things considered, um, based off of their quality of play for the entire year. And they were that good last year as well. And this is basically... Mostly the same team, right? Right, and
1: of young guys that are a year older, right? And those yeah. teams tend to have that. So, like, Denver is really good, and they are going to give you a 7.5 or 8 out of 10 performance every single game, right? And in terms of effort and resilience, it's going to be a 10 out of 10 performance, right? But overall, right, they're, they're not the most talented team in the league, but if, if you don't bring the necessary
2: heat, they're going to beat you. And beat they are a time. very high-floor team it's right? a great way of putting it. Yeah. And like their ceiling may not be as high as like the Lakers or even as high as their second round opponent, the Clippers, right? Mm-hmm. But their floor is so much higher that as they're competing above that bottom level that they already possess, they they have an ability to sort of wear you down in, mm-hmm. in ways that The longer a series goes, the harder they are to put away, right? Because they're consistently playing at a level between 8 and 10, right? Whereas there are other teams that have a higher ceiling. When they reach their 10, their 10 is higher than Denver's 10. Absolutely. But other teams will play at a 5 or a 6, Or a 7 for an extended stretch, even during a playoff game. And if Denver is going to consistently play at a a 7.5 or an 8, right? That's not—they're not at their best, for sure. But if you're at a 4 or a 5— They're going to whoop on you. Then they're going to chip away at whatever advantages that you have. And I think as—basically, the way that this series has gone is the Lakers got a blowout win— right in game one they got mm-hmm. um they they were blowing the doors off of denver again in the first half of game two denver made a furious comeback and took the lead and looked poised to win that game based off of that come comeback. and then anthony davis saved everyone and the lakers come away with a win this game was very similar to game two but the roles were reversed and the Lakers, though, weren't, did not have enough left in the tank because instead of chipping in to that, it, like instead of they had their chance in the third mm-hmm. quarter, they cut it to five. Yep. And then Jeremy Grant scored eight straight points and it was like back to 13. And I mm-hmm. thought that the straight Lakers quickly. needed to play the rest of that third quarter by either overcoming that deficit entirely and like taking the lead, even if it was a small lead, right? But sort of reaffirming the fact that, hey, like we're actually a good team and then had an ability to turn it on in the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. to say, we're seizing this game. Instead, when they turned it on in the fourth quarter, it was all comeback and they didn't have enough to close it at the end
1: yeah it, it was like it was too little too late right like yeah. they they needed that sense of urgency to kick in earlier than it did we got out rebounded 44 to 25 in this game right like ad had two rebounds dwight had one rebound kuz had one rebound right like these are our, our big guys JaVale in you know eight minutes had one rebound um so yikes
2: both the i haven't looked at the box score in terms of like that right i know we got bro out. we
1: got 25 rebounds as a team hmm. And so, and LeBron had 10 of them. So everybody else had 15 boards. And so that's, that is the, that is, concludes, at least we'll sprinkle it in here and there. The Lakers did not play with the requisite focus and effort portion of the show. What I wanna talk about are some of the adjustments that Denver has made and that the Lakers have not made, and that's by design. The Lakers have approached each series thus far as we're going to do what we're going to do and then we'll adjust off of that based off of what they do. In pregame comments, Vogel mentioned that they were this close to a starting lineup change before this game, but didn't end up making it. I suspect that that was Dwight Howard for JaVale McGee. We saw Dwight start the, the third quarter with mixed results, right? We went out, cut it to five, but he also blew some perimeter assignments, right?
2: And He so, had a couple of fouls, too, and then uh-huh. Denver got into the penalty early that quarter, and I think that's a concern for Vogel with Dwight, is that um, his physicality is great. Can he exert that physicality within the context of the rules, Right. And the rules are going to be defined by what the refs are calling. And
1: right. And that's part of focus, too. Right. Like, like every type of player, lack of focus can manifest itself in different ways. Like the yeah. ways where Alex Crusoe's can be unfocused because he, he was awful in the first half. Right. But he's going to be, di- that's going to be different than how Dwight, right. So with Dwight, it's these kind of like, like, don't pick up that foul. Don't reach there. You know, like yeah. it's, it's one thing to try to like, Dwight is obviously trying to punk Jokic, right? And stay attached to him and be physical with him. And and that's great. And there's a a great version of that. There's also a version of that where it's, it's undisciplined, right? And there, and that lack of discipline, again, that's in Caruso's game. That's, that is one of the things that, that comes out of lack of focus. But so there are two sides though, to the adjustments of this series. Now, in that vein of we don't make adjustments until they force us to, this is the first series thus far where we've played progressively worse, right? The results have gotten progressively worse from game one to game three. And we're now in the territory where, yeah, there's time to to make some adjustments. And, you know, Vogel did that with that Howard substitution to start the third. Um, let's start on the personnel side of things, because I, I we talked a little before the show. I think I'm a little more tilted towards some of the schematic things that mm-hmm. we need to do, or at least putting personnel in different places. Uh, and I think you're leaning a little more toward the personnel side of things. Like we've got the wrong guys, the wrong lineups, or not not that, but not wrong, but like that would, we need to have, make adjustments in that respect. What, what do you see from that perspective?
2: Well, I just think that there's a particular lineup during a particular part of the game that is giving the Lakers issues. And I had said this, On Twitter during the game but I'd like to explore it a little bit more with you here because it plays into a theme that we talked about in our last podcast when you had said you had made a very astute point that you thought that Denver was going to start playing more of their athletes right we actually didn't see PJ Dozier this game at all but I think that was because Jeremy Grant was playing as well as as he played but The Lakers have gone to a lineup that has Rajon Rondo, Alex Caruso, LeBron James, um, Markeith Morris, and Kyle Kuzma, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And he's gone to that lineup every single game. And the last two games, it's performed quite poorly. And Denver is
1: beginning of the second quarter and beginning of the fourth quarter lineups.
2: Yes, and Denver is matching up with that, with Plumlee and Monty Morris and mm, Michael Morris Porter great. Jr. Um, and sometimes Tory Craig is in there, right? Yep. Um, but I said this during the game that when both teams have those lineups at that portion of the game in, and they're pretty set lineups... Denver's actually more athletic overall than the Lakers are at that particular time when those two lineups specifically are matching up against each other.
1: Especially if you're counting strength in that. Whenever I talk about the Lakers' athleticism, it's like we're strong too. Like we're better, we're more physical along with athleticism. And that's true of that Denver lineup versus our lineup. And that's part of that's partially comes with the choice of holding Dwight out until Jokic checks back in around the eight-minute mark or so. What's the adjustment? Is it to start the second with with Dwight, do you think? I,
2: I think they need to go back to Dwight playing with Caruso and LeBron. Like, that's been a... That trio has been a pillar of the start of the second quarter lineup for the Lakers the entire year. And it's one of the reasons why the Lakers have... It, like... Do you remember when AD didn't win defensive player of the year and there were a couple of people who said, well, the Lakers were better on defense this season when Anthony Davis was on the <laughs> floor, sure. right? And that was specifically pointing to net rating stuff, right? And and defensive efficiency related to um to AD's on-off splits. One of the reasons why that was true, though, was because of that specific trio at the start of second quarters when AD was getting his rest. So Dwight LeBron and Alex Caruso, they have typically been the core of that lineup that plays just high-level defense, and um, that's now gone out the window And it's been replaced with a lineup that now has Rondo and Morris, who individually, on their own, I think they can be a part of productive defensive lineups if they're the only ones that are in a lineup. Um, When they're both on the floor, it gets trickier, especially when the other team has size and athleticism at the positions that they are defending, right and so one of the ways i thought that the lakers were super effective with morris in the game against houston for example was because like their front court wasn't especially athletic in in this crazy way right where they weren't run and jump athletes really right it was like oh daniel house is in there or or pj tucker is in there um Robert Covington was probably their best athlete who would play in the front court, right? Um, and Morris could hang within the context of lineups against that Rockets team. Um, there was a play today, and it was simple, and I would bet no one would even remember this this exact play. It was it was the Lakers were on offense, the ball went up, it was a missed shot. Morris had inside position, he was about to get an offensive rebound and Plumlee jumped right over the top of him <laughs> from yeah. behind him and grabbed a defensive re like like rebound. Yeah, yeah. Turn. And it looked and, like we were about to get that board too and like Plumlee just came in like boop, And he just yeah. swooped up over the top and grabbed it and that's because he's just a superior athlete. And I just feel like the Lakers need to do more um imposing themselves right like it's one thing to say we're going to match up Dwight with with Jokic I get that um and I get wanting to sort of keep Dwight in that role to sort of match up specifically with him um especially during those bench units right where you really do need to have a one-on-one defender against him in order to limit a lot of the passing that fuels Denver's offense yeah that said, I feel like there needs to be little lineup tweaks. I don't I, – I'm not saying Rondo shouldn't play. I'm not even saying Markeith Morris shouldn't play. I'm saying you should probably – if you're going to play Morris, maybe you want to play him in that second shift where AD is at center, right? And go back to the Dwight – like the Dwight coos LeBron front court. With like Caruso, and then if you're gonna play Rondo there, okay, I would probably play a different guard there. You you know, either come back with Danny Green or come back with KCP. Um right, like I would just probably do something different there. But sure. but I do think that the Lakers need to find better matchups on the yep. margins in some of these different parts of of the game to start with. Um what about you, from a schematic standpoint, right? Be, because I think these things need to work in tandem. I don't think it's one or the other.
1: Sure. Well, let me address Boy, the personnel first. Sure, sure. Right. In in that I I think that ultimately this is a series where either AD or Dwight should be in the game at all times. I think that uh, part of part of what we do well, for one, like it's easy to try to match up with the team across from you, but every team has like a certain nature to them that does it, is it perfect? Does it have holes? Yeah, of course it has holes. Of course it's not perfect, but it's who you are. Right. And, we have been, I think, two on our heels defensively. That's why I loved the fourth mm-hmm. quarter when we were really like, I made the analogy on Twitter to a blitzing NFL defense that the pass rush will cause a pick six from a cornerback, right? And we get a lot of live ball turnovers. We're able to get out on the run, get that you know runaway dunk for LeBron, which is basically the NBA equivalent of a pick six. Um, and in order to play that way, you need some rim protection behind and... So those smaller lineups with LeBron and and Morris, there's also that the athleticism that you pointed out, too. That's been one thing that I've been really intrigued by with Denver in this series is they've got more athleticism and have taken advantage of it in— They've been very smart with where they've done it. They yeah. they they've attacked us where we're weak, where we're not athletic or strong. That's it's been more strong. Like we like KCP a really bad post defender, and they're seeking out Jokic mismatches on him. Right? They're seeking out Rondo. They're seeking out places where we don't. Marquise Morris, uh, Kuzma was a guy that they they sought out where like a bigger guy. Of which Jokic, this is part of Jokic's value is his strength. Like. You've got to rotate over to help, and then at that point, you're just a great passer, right? It, it it's problematic. Yeah. Um, and Denver has done a great job. Jeremy Grant having a 26 point game against us. We were talking about this last time. Like you have to beat the Lakers with force. You have to attack us with force. If you're like trying to avoid us because we are bigger, stronger, faster, we're it's like you know prey running from a lion. Right? and Well,
2: like, it's like the old saying about, like, how do you beat a bully? Right? like Right. You punch like, him in the nose. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's how you go at it. And the Lakers have been trying to bully the Nuggets this series. They've been trying to impose their will on them physically. And right. I feel like Denver has been, like, a good counterpuncher in mm-hmm. that way. Right? They've where, made great adjustments. Where, yeah. all right, like, we'll let you lean on us and... And, and sweet, punch yourself out of it a little mm-hmm. bit. And then when you start to slow down, right, mm-hmm. literally by putting maybe lesser quality athletes on the floor, that's when we're coming back with, like, oh, this is our athletic center. This is our athletic mm-hmm. wings, right? Yep. Like, here's Michael Porter Jr., and he's jumping mm-hmm. over the top of you for a defensive mm-hmm. rebound mm-hmm. or an offensive rebound. Or, or oh, look, it's Monty Morris, and he's actually... Like, I was super impressed by, like, how He's Denver quick. was filling the lane, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Morris had a couple of good runouts that didn't lead to him getting the ball or anything. But what he was doing was he was stretching the Lakers' defense out. And he was really running by them to the deep corner. And that sets like, set stuff up for them. Yep. They're a very sound, fundamental, and technical team. And, you, you know, when a technical boxer fights, like— so, sort of knock t- like yeah like mm-hmm. a knockout artist right then then that guy can create advantage and then catch you a couple times and suddenly while the while the knockout artist is swinging for the fences right and trying to put you on th- what well, 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 on the mat he's losing rounds 10 nine right? Because the other guy keeps landing his jab. And on some levels, that's been the chess match between these teams. And they've been fairly even through three games so far because of it, I think. So so Denver finding ways
1: to be more athletic than us and more physical than us uh, in certain stretches of the game has been super important. And so I say all of that to address the idea of Dwight and Dwight's role in this series. I actually would like to see Marquise Morris get the start rather than Dwight. Hmm. And my rationale for it is this, is your point about Morris can be susceptible to athleticism is less important in a Millsap Jokic front court than it is with Plumlee and Michael Porter Jr., Torrey Craig, those types of guys out there, right? Secondly, the... Like AD can guard Jokic. Jokic is going to try to bully him, and he's going to win some of those matches. But we're having issues with our offensive spacing, which we'll get into uh, in a bit as well. Yeah. Um, And so I think Morris helps to improve that. Morris for Javale, and then, but still Dwight playing more minutes and starting the second quarter, starting the fourth quarter like he did for much of the regular season, so that. He's in those lineups against Plumlee. He's in against their more athletic-type lineups. And Jokic is going to check back in around the 7 or 8-minute mark anyway. So you're going to get minutes from Dwight on Jokic. And we still, I still like that matchup. Uh, but... I think that from a personnel standpoint, starting Morris will help our offense of our offensive spacing, which has been struggling with the starters. And uh, on the defensive end, Morris will be less susceptible to like Morris is a positional guy; he'll be in the right place. And Millsap and and Jokic and just Denver's starting lineup. It's because it's not just big on big, right? It's yeah. like Jamal Murray, the the offensive pop of that starting lineup. They've got one guy in Grant that's like a really plus athlete for his position. And everybody else, Murray, Harris, Jokic, Millsap, are, but they're execution, right? And they're going to spread you out. Part of how they take advantage of JaVale is, forcing javel to defend the perimeter forcing javel um you know ja- javel has some issues with strength as well where he'll get pushed off of a spot like Jokic missed a little floater in the lane and then like gave he just a he, he
2: ragged he ragdolled him
1: right and re- it's not a like it, it's it, this was one of those games where like the team that you know plays with force is going to get the whistles and and like denver was the team that played with force in this game so anyway um that's my rationale for that lineup switch, which I think is a little different than, um, I think, what people are expecting or maybe even what Vogel is thinking. No. Uh, because I think that we need some more athleticism in those the start of the second, start of the fourth quarter lineups. What are your thoughts on that?
2: No, I can definitely see that. You, you know, during the as I was watching the game unfold, um, I must say, like, I had a similar thought to what you just thought well what you just proposed. Um I I did start to wonder if Denver would then counter, not necessarily by like benching Millsap, but by having Jokic guard Morris, and then you still don't necessarily get the advantage that you're seeking out offensively with um with AD being able to go at Jokic. As much. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But then I thought to myself, oh, but then if he's spaced out to the three-point line, maybe you're still Make getting benefit out. from that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And you could run pick and pop with Morris instead of running pick and roll. Like, there's other strategic things that you could go to to, to counter that. I am on board. I'd be on board with that. Um, I should say, too, like, I don't think JaVale has played, like, poorly, per se. But I do think that he... The Lakers are playing one too many bigs, basically, mm-hmm. and, it's, and I think the slotting of it now has shown up enough through games two and game three where trying to play all of those forwards and centers has tweaked the lineup enough that the Lakers aren't seeing enough advantage from what is a strength of their team. Which is, their, which is their three, four, and five positions, right? Where you have LeBron and AD and Dwight Howard. Like, the, those are the three guys in your front court who, in theory, should be playing the most minutes. And then you have mm-hmm. Kuzma, who is more of a three, four, right? Um, and then you have Morris, right? Who is more of like a four, five for you. And And so the odd man out there, there has to be an odd man out when you're trying to throw another pure five in, in to the mix, and that's going to be Javale. Like, sure, sure. You, you, you no. Know? I,
1: I think that's and that's. I mean, that's what Vogel did in the second half. I, I just think that it's a matter of like, who do you play when? Do we get more advantage out of starting Dwight? Yeah, and keeping like basically Dwight for Javale. Similar ish type of big, but more physical. Or do you go stylistically different and yeah. try to get you know better production from there? Uh, that, that I think, is the most glaring adjustment to make. And I'm of the camp that it's Morris first and Dwight second. And it's not necessarily like play Morris huge minutes. It's yeah. just that that's, that's the part of the game where I think you get the most production out of Morris while giving up the least in terms of the disadvantages that he surrenders.
2: Yeah, and with the starting group too, right, which is a group like— Look, man, I've said this a bunch, but when you're, like, a for-real role player, like, you always want to play with the starters, man. Like, you always want to play with the best players Mm -hmm. because those are the guys who are going to cover up more of your weaknesses and highlight more of your strengths. And that's just how it goes. It's one of the reasons why Alex Caruso has played so well, A, with LeBron, but then in, like, the Portland series, he had great minutes playing next to Anthony Davis, right? Because Caruso is one of those ideal role role players that you could slot basically next to any really good, good player, and he's going to complement them well. And where Caruso has struggled most this season, I think, is when you put him in worse and worse lineups and expect him to perform to the same level. And it was true in the first half, right? Like, um, that lineup shift of like when LeBron goes out half, halfway through the first quarter, then it was, and Danny green goes out as well. And, um, JaVale goes out as well. All three of those guys basically come out at the same, same time. And who comes in? It's Morris. And then it's Rondo and it's Caruso. And so now you've got Caruso playing next to Rondo and KCP and AD and Morris. And that's just not nearly enough, like, kick for him to, like, flank him where it's like he has to do a little bit more. And Mm -hmm. he ends up having to make one extra offensive play. And the ball is rotating to him in, in a spot on the floor where now you're asking him to make a play right? And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not what you want from Alex Caruso. You want him to start out a possession and you want him to finish a possession potentially. You don't want him doing a bunch in the middle parts of of a possession besides setting a good screen or cutting, right? And good if track. he cuts to become a finisher, great. And if he screens to set up someone who's, who's, who's going to be a finisher, great. But- you pass him the ball with like seven seconds left on the shot clock, and a guy bearing down on him in the corner, and it's kind of like, okay, well, this is tricky yeah. now for me. Yep. I I'm not exactly sure, and I just think the Lakers need to rebalance their lineups in or their personnel groupings in mm-hmm. a way that better highlight what they're best at as a team, yep. and. Yep. Um, they've gotten away from that, I think, by playing like a 10-man lineup, which they have basically sure. in the first three games. And even in the second half where it's just like, oh, we're playing nine guys, maybe you should only be playing eight, right? Like, mm-hmm. like well, you're in the conference finals. At some point, you have to say, hey, we're going to go with our best eight or nine guys, like eight and a half guys. And mm-hmm. the Lakers are, have still been playing 10. And at some point, it's the whole idea of
1: of, of, it's the whole idea of like we're not going to adjust until you make us adjust. And that's the point of the series that we're at. Uh, that point arrived earlier in the other series. And that lineup with without a big on the floor, right, that, that was a Houston lineup. That was a we cooked Houston with Markeith Morris as that small ball five alongside LeBron. It's just that the Denver Nuggets are compositionally a different team and they can take advantage of that in ways that the Houston Rockets could not.
2: I would argue that the Lakers never adjusted in the Portland series. Sure. Like they played their, like they played the exact same style yep. that they kept, like in game one, they missed shots. In game Mm -hmm. two, they started to make shots, right? Yep, and then you're you're right, you're right. And 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 then they just kept getting better and better, but they played basically their same exact style. In Houston, it only took one game for them to say, ah, you know what? I don't think we can play... Dwight. Dwight. And then it took another game, and they were just like, hey, you know what? Maybe, JaVale, this isn't your series either, right? And Mm -hmm. by the second half of game three... There were no big men in the lineup except for Anthony Davis and Marquise Morris, and, yep. and it's now taken three games here now too. And I think it is time for Vogel to sort of say, "Hey, let's reevaluate what's working and what's not." And, and I think he's been reluctant. I think he was reluctant to go to a lineup change because they actually won the game, sure, the last sure. game, and yeah, it was I, sort I, of I think like, that
1: if AD doesn't hit that buzzer beater, maybe we see some. Things different in this game, otherwise,
2: and it was sort of showing confidence in in his guys, right? Mm -hmm. And and this time, I think like, hey, what actually worked best for us in the second half was Anthony Davis playing a lot of center, right? Mm -hmm. He basically played the entire fourth quarter at center, um, which is why he looked tired too, because he was just flying all the court. Yep, And, and. one of the reasons why he wasn't getting in any rebounds is because they were switching everything. And even when they weren't switching everything, he ended up switching eventually because Jokic or whoever got a good screen on someone and it was just time like he had to switch. And yep. he was away from the rim a, a lot. I, he he does still need to get more rebounds than two during the yep. game. But mm-hmm. but there were circumstances I feel like that led to that a little bit more. Um, yeah, do you want to one start last, to get into some schematic stuff and and get yeah, into yeah. the second half? Let's do yeah, that. Yeah.
1: One one last point I wanted to make about playing Dwight with that uh, second unit is I think giving Rondo a lob threat, a vertical threat, is an important part of helping his playmaking coming to get come together, uh, and so. Having him in this particular series having some role gravity, I think would be helpful. Giving him a a lob partner in that second unit. So yeah, that's that's again advocacy for Dwight not starting, but starting the second quarter, starting the fourth quarter alongside those those lineups.
2: If I can just if I could just piggyback on that point really quickly, I also think it's a good way to keep Dwight engaged offensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Right. Like Rondo's the one guy on the team who's going to look for the big guys when they duck in inside Mm -hmm. like he like he just is. And if guys spin off of a post up, he's going to look, look, look for them. If they run the middle lane hard, he's going to look for them. Um, That may not always be the best idea, but like Rondo's going to Rondo. And he's (laughs) just like, you, you know, he also plays from a different era where it's sort of just like, oh, hell, my big guy ran. Let me reward him. A little bit mm-hmm. like so i'm i'm on board with what you're saying in terms of like just finding those different groupings that i think could really help mm-hmm. so for sure
1: so yeah let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll talk about some of the schematic adjustments This is their best offer available anywhere. So right now, go to Indeed.com backslash podcast. Terms and conditions apply, and the offer is valid through September 30th. The NBA and NHL are playing for gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. One thing that I've think denver has done really well in this series is how they've defended lebron on high ball screens and high ball screens happen right in the middle of the court at the top of the key outside of the three-point line uh we've run a lot of ghost screens or screens with our guards where they will come up from the baseline and either set a screen or pretend like they're going to set a screen and pop out instead and lebron will try to you know attack a hedge uh in in the right direction and lebron's started to penetrate and they've really stunted down harder on him. Right. So mm-hmm. think of those five guys kind of on defense spread out and then contracting, right? Like they close in to, and they, they got a couple steals. Uh, LeBron had six turnovers tonight. They, um, now LeBron, you know, at 30 on 14 of 23 from the field, a lot of that was in transition. And what I'm talking about isn't necessarily LeBron's overall game. It's that where do we use LeBron to attack from? Mm-hmm. One adjustment that we made in it was in the second half, I believe it was in the third quarter, but we or it may have been the fourth. Uh, we gave LeBron out of a timeout two consecutive high post touches, and he hit jumpers off of both of them. And on the th- there was a there was a third one where he like collapsed the defense and kicked out. I think we missed the three on that.
2: No, but. he drove hard, and they stripped it, and mm, it went right. out of bounds. Right,
1: that's right, and and so that's going to happen. But that's part of the collapsing. When you see LeBron getting stripped on this, that means that they're taking an extra half step toward him, and they're saying like, "We've got to And it makes sense, right? Like that's this is what to beat the Lakers defensively. You're you know, and conceptually is you've got to really go. They've got to go adjust so much to collapse into the paint that they've got to rely on us shooting six for 26 from three like we did tonight it was 23 percent and that's your best chance of of beating us the thing with lebron is i think we've operated with him from the top of the key in those high ball screen situations although not with ad very much uh but we've done that a lot and too much right it's like a baseball pitcher that throws the same pitch too many times and like maybe you have a 101 mile an hour fastball but like if you only throw 100 mile an hour fastballs hitters are going to catch up to that i think that a greater degree of variance with lebron will be helpful i think that That will be in the the high post and low post specifically. It's also a reason to put Morris in the starting lineup because it's very difficult to get the requisite spacing to have LeBron in the post and have a non-shooting five in the game. Um, and and, which isn't to say like now we all go to the high post now and we don't do any of the stuff we were doing at the top of the key it's just like you've just got to show i think we've got to show them more looks with lebron not so much for lebron's individual production which large you know a lot of transition production in this game specifically but for creating shots for the team in general what are your thoughts on that
2: no i definitely agree with that with the variance point especially um I thought LeBron looked a little bit shaky with his jumper until he got those two like mid post jumpers to fall from mm-hmm. the right wing. Um, he didn't look like he had really good feel like he missed. Yeah, he, he even missed that front free throw right after he took um, that shot to the face and then he switched that next free throw. And then after that, I think he started to hit those jumpers and it was sort of like, oh, OK, like your rhythm is back a little bit. Um offensively, I like I definitely think that Denver is pushing this more and more towards like your shooters are gonna have to make shots. Yep. Um as they should. Right? Like AD was 0 for 4 from 3, Danny Green was one for three, um Rondo took three threes, Caruso took four threes, they combined to make zero threes, so that's 0 for 7 there. Um Morris only took one one three and he made it which was the three right before the close of the first half um and kcp was two for five and what braun go here he went one for four right and so like i don't think they're gonna live and die with how many threes lebron makes like if I think when his three ball is going, he is basically unguardable at that point because you have to then defend him higher, and then he starts to cut off the ball, and then they use, they start to attack him and um, and close out hard, harder on him with it, which then just opens up his drives, right? And, and and so, like LeBron making threes is important for his own individual offense right but i don't know how much that necessarily helps the team because once he gets downhill and is attacking a closeout those are rarely going to end with him like kicking the ball out he's usually going to try to finish those with either a dunk or an and Mm -hmm. one and, and sort of create an angle um i'm with you on morris i'm with you on spacing i'm with you on variance right um this is also one, one of those things where I think the Lakers just need to drive more. Like mm-hmm. I know it's hard against a pack paint. And I think that there are things that they need to do in order to try to free guys up. But mm-hmm. some of this is going to go back to like what happened after the first game of the Portland series, which is like, mm-hmm. Hey guys, like start to make some of these three pointers that we're generating for sure. you. Um, the thing about Denver, which is different than what it was against Portland, though, is that they have, like, rangier wings who are closing out on you, right? Um, and wings with more size, like Tory Craig and Jeremy Grant and Michael Porter mm-hmm. Jr. Um, when, Do- when Dozier plays, um, him, him as well right and, and and so there's just more size gary harris there like mm-hmm. like there's just better better defenders and better athletes going at mm-hmm. you and so those windows are smaller and there's a bit more pressure to make those shots mm-hmm. um so i think still the bigger key to what the lakers need to do is actually like schematic adjustments like defensively almost mm-hmm. rather than offensively because they're still going to be at their best this series when they're able to generate early offense, either in straight yep. transition plays yep. or in just early offensive chances. And, when and if Denver's we can create those, set. like even
1: if it's not off of a live ball turnover, if we're rebounding off of a miss, that's where a you know drag screen by AD on a high ball screen as Denver's like not completely set. Hey, all of a sudden you're that's a much better high ball screen than uh, off of a you know set against a set five and five defense where they're going to stunt down harder. Like guys are going to be more more prone to mistakes. Your point about the jumpers especially is I think ties into the, the focus and effort part in that like jumpers are always there and it's easy to take them. We shot a lot of jumpers in the second half of game two. It's why Denver was able to came, come back and Denver has to keep us on the perimeter to win this series and we can't let them And part of that is being like, all right, I'm just going to take this jumper right here rather than looking to attack, looking to collapse the defense. Part of why, again, I want that Morris substitution uh, is that I think we can get downhill a little better. And it causes like if you've got Millsap and Jokic in the game, say they go with your idea of putting Jokic on Morris. So that means that if we run an AD LeBron pick and roll, you've got Millsap as the guy hedging. Now, he's not going to be able to rim protect against LeBron, but he will positionally be very good. But what you can't do is like a no-roller-behind principle defensively, which is something that we do as the Lakers a lot, where you ask your big to come up, but not like all the way, which is smart against LeBron, right? Because he's not going to hit that mid-range pull-up off of a pick and roll very often. So you could do that, but... The guy who's hedging, who would be Millsap in this case, has to be able to backpedal and jump to deflect any lob pass. And Millsap's got no ch- Millsap's got no chance to do that against AD. So if he hedges on LeBron, which he has to, that means Jokic is going to have to pull all the way down if you position Morris on the weak side. Morris has to uh, Millsap has to pull all the way down. Or excuse me, one more time, Jokic has to pull all the way down and then close out to that shooter. So it becomes a difficult adjustment for them them to make. Um, But we have to go like everything that we do needs to be built around attacking the rim. And I think we need better spacing to do that first. Right. So like getting them like making, we have to make them pay for packing the paint and we can't do that with JaVale and we can't do that with Dwight even. Right. Yeah. And, and so that's why in part I'm an advocate of, of those types of things, but on the defensive end, Denver's a unique team, and you're talking about making some schematic adjustments there. What are you leaning toward?
2: I actually—so the Lakers did a couple of interesting things this game more often or for the first time that they've done the entire series, right? And so in the second half, they played a little bit of zone, which I thought threw off Denver's motion principles within their offense. Um, They did crack the code— A couple of times there but it was just a nice little different look um i would expect the lakers to go to that maybe a little bit more potentially even against like the Mm non-jokic minutes right Mm -hmm. um plumley's a good passing big man but he's not a playmaker like in the middle of the floor and and Mm -hmm. so like you can play him to have to shoot a little bit more, um, which I think is an important, like you want your zone buster in the middle to be able to like be a scorer there Mm -hmm. as well. And not just a passer, um, which is a side note, which is one of the reasons why I thought Boston did much better in their last game against Miami because Hayward came back and he was a scoring option from the Mm -hmm. middle of the floor rather than just a passer. Anyways, I digress. Um, the other thing the Lakers did, which I thought was interesting, is they gave they gave Murray a little bit of the hardened treatment on a couple mm-hmm. of possessions mm-hmm. after they forced the switch. Mm-hmm. And so I want to see them—one of the things I want the Lakers to try to do to Denver principally um, in their half-court defense is speed them up. And that's a very hard thing to do. Against Denver, they are a very patient team and they're um and they're a team that wants to play slower, right? Mm-hmm. Um which is sort of based off of Jokic's sure. being the in the middle of it all. But Murray had issues when he was getting trapped. And he threw, one, he had a straight turnover right out of bounds. He threw a very high pass because he's small, right? Yep. And so- You have to put
1: more arc on it, yep.
2: So here comes a big man, like a big man is on you and here comes Danny Green, hands up. Hands high, yeah. Right, and sort of closing you down. Or Alex Caruso even, who is, you know, six five, And when he's got his hands up, it's just like, oh, there's not a great passing window there. And the right pass to make out of that- for a guy like Murray, when they're cutting off the angle to Jokic, is the skip pass over the top. He made that pass. The Lakers trapped him twice. Once he had a turnover. The second, he skipped past it to Jeremy Grant. Jeremy mm-hmm. Grant then tried to attack, right? Because, oh, four on three. Let me make a play, right? He went to attack. Strong One pass away, help, reach in, force a steal. Lakers go the other way, and they're in transition, And I think Denver has two playmakers, right? They have Jamal Murray and they have Jokic. You have to force other guys to have to make a play. And I want the Lakers to try to do that as much as possible. And I think one of the ways that you try to do that is by turning up the pace and the tempo and making things a little bit more frantic where the Lakers are at their best defensively is what they did against Houston. Right. Which is like, we're dictating to you. Right. Like we don't care if we're scrambling behind the play because we trust our scramble. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we trust the fact that we're going to rotate, that we're going to get there, that we're, it's that bigger, stronger, faster that you've Mm talked, talked about the entire playoffs now. And too often, In the last two games, basically, Denver has been the one who has been sort of dictating the tempo of Mm -hmm. their offensive possessions, and the Lakers need to get back to winning more of those by dictating the terms more often.
1: So part of what makes that difficult against Denver is so much of their offense is initiated through Jokic, and it forces Lakers defenders who are not used to trapping and applying ball pressure, right? Like trapping a guard, like we've got personnel that's designed to do that. Jokic is unique, right? So you're asking you're asking our defenders, like you're asking a big man to ball pressure and to trap on ball, right? In ways that it's just, that's not what they're normally asked to do. And it kind of has us more on our heels.
2: What I would say is, is that to me, the Lakers have to be very strategic with this and they just can't do it all of the time, right?
1: It's that variance, right? It's like that you can't show the same look. And I
2: think that a part of it is, Denver runs a lot of like screen actions either straight pick and roll or handoff actions that become screens and mm-hmm. the how the Lakers have been handling that a bunch is by switching because their big men act just set really good screens man like fundamentally they they just really get the trail man off and it's hard to recover um the ball handler then takes a wide angle and he just stretches out the defense and it does not allow you to, to recover. And so I want to see the Lakers then commit to that trail a little bit more. And after the switch, cheat over more off of that switch and play it so that rather than attaching yourself to Jokic's body, you get in between the ball and Jokic right? And then you strategically start to send more traps at the ball handler, a little bit more. Whether it's Murray, whether it's Monty Morris, you you just show them different pressure looks, especially on their guards who are smaller, right? You can't trap a Jokic. He's a freaking seven-foot point guard, basically, right? So I don't think you can speed Jokic up he hilariously said like in response to that one question about why are you so patient and he's basically said i can't run fast like right
1: like (laughs) Like, like, i have no choice (laughs) yes i have
2: no choice but 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 to be patient i move slowly right so um which is hilarious but true but Mm -hmm. smaller players quicker players more athletic players their instinct is to go faster yeah when you start to apply more pressure to them it's like what happened to jeremy grant there right he's he's an athlete i yeah. he saw a gap and he's like let me get down downhill mm-hmm. but they don't have enough of those guys who they don't. can actually make a play like that and i think that- you need to try to speed them up When you're
1: talking about dictating terms, that's like the end result, right? Like, if we can force Denver into an athletic game, like to be making athletic plays, aside from that bench unit, we're going to be in good shape, especially against the starters, right? I loved the zone look that we went to Mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter. That 2-3 zone, it allows guards to play, to put ball pressure on ball handlers. We saw a lot of, like... Rondo on Jokic at the top of the key and Caruso on Jokic, which is fine, right? Because there's help behind and it's so far away that it doesn't yield that many that many good looks. And then Rondo's ball pressure on Jamal Murray was fantastic. There was a stretch where Denver could not get a shot up because we were turning them over as often as as they as we were. Part of it's also a way to get Denver out of the Yoke because Jokic is one of the very best offensive players in the game and so because of that he is able to like if you switch he's able to oh I want Kuzma and I'm gonna go to work on him right and and yeah. pick you apart in isolation if you go into like they're they run ball screen action where he's the ball handler and now you've got guys in reversed situations where that's not you know that's not their specialty and they're gonna have breakdowns they're not as as good and Jokic will pick that apart the running zones you can you can set screens against zones but they're different types of screens right they're pin screens they're you want to shift a zone from one side to the other i just think it gets denver out of their flow and out of their offense yeah and it's a look that i think we're going to see a lot more of in game four what do you think was so effective in this game with that zone and how translatable is that to games going forward
2: Well, I think what made it effective is that Jokic Jokic is a very unique big man in that he plays a lot from the elbows and the top of the floor rather Mm. than straight from the low post, right? Like, so he's a very good post player, but he will often go there from a back down rather than from a, like, one of the... What the Lakers used used to do for Shaq, one of his favorite plays was like center opposite, right? So they'd start the triangle action with the ball on the weak side where it's only um, – where there's only two players and the triangle is set up on the opposite side of the floor, right? And so then the ball then goes to that two side and then Shaq then – comes from one block to the opposite block and he just walks his man across and then he would get a deep post up that, that way. And when the defender then would try to deny Shaq that cut, cutting lane, he would spin off of that and then catch the lob, right? Mm-hmm. Or you set cross screens in order to get a post player open from one block to, to the other because you want to establish deep post post position. Jokic is such a load and he's such a good ball handler that he does. they don't run that type of stuff in order to get him post-post touches. He is perfectly comfortable backing you down from 15 or 16 feet because he he can turn and face mm-hmm. off of a catch and jab step you once if he wants or shoot the jumper. But if he doesn't want the jumper, he will then just put his back into you and back you down. Mm-hmm. But Jokic primarily does so much of his damage from the elbows and and the top of the floor. Well, guess what? Like that you're playing into the zone's hands when you're the big man and mm-hmm. you're com- and you're handling the ball up high, right? Mm-hmm. Because the inverting of the defense that you want to achieve when you're playing man to man in, in those situations situations, that advantage goes away, right? Mm-hmm. Jokic is such a good passer and when he has when he has the other team center on him and he's twenty feet out or twenty-five feet out away from the hoop, then your help is all mismatched. And that's why mm-hmm. all those cutters attack and it's like a small forward or a guard who's helping at the rim. And that's not your natural stuff, right? Like so everything is inverted and guys are put in opposite roles. But against a the zone, there Jokic is at the top, top of the key. And it's just like you said, it's Rondo on him and he's poking at the ball. Or it's Alex Caruso out there and he's, and he's poking at the ball or trying to angle him a certain way. And it, it just worked. I am less convinced, personally, I am less convinced that Denver won't have counters up their sleeve after watching some of that tape. I do think they will park Jokic at the at the nail. They'll start to run a bit more like action that the Lakers have typically run to crack a zone, which is putting LeBron at the nail and then saying, yeah, guess what? I've got a playmaker and a scorer who's right at the nail and I'm going to crack your zone right from the middle. And Jokic is such a big like receiving target, right? That getting that entry pass there is a lot easier and so i'm more skeptical than you that a zone is going to be like a long-lasting solution against denver it's, it's not so much that it's like it's a necessary third look hmm. to switching and
1: to our normal you know Got show you. at the level of the ball type coverage yeah. it's not okay. something that that i think that can be our primary thing that we do but especially with our like again what are the inherent advantages Of our personnel and what is the nature of what we do, is it's that bigger, faster, stronger idea? Guys who can close a lot of distance, which is something that in zones, zones are susceptible to giving up open threes. We have the personnel to make them a little bit less open. Yeah, making the same rotations that anybody else would, right? And it. So it gives us just a, like zone, the the way you beat a zone is so different from how you beat a man. Look, it's yeah. like that put pitcher with the hundred and one mile an hour fastball. Well, like now he's got a like ninety three mile an hour slider. Yeah, that comes from the same arm angle. And if all he threw was the ninety three mile an hour slider, you'd get rocked, right? But when it's it, it serves as a counter to the main things that you do, especially if like getting I think zone can get us into what we do best and take advantage of our best attributes and our biggest advantage over their main lineups cuz when it all comes down to it Jamal Murray and Jokic are going to be in the game they they don't have their closing lineup is not that athletic second unit lineup that they have and so we can We can beat them, and it's that also plays into the, if we're scrambling, we're getting out on the run, it just plays into all of the advantages stylistically that we had. So it's more, for me, as a necessary additional look that we can go to and then go out of, rather than a primary, like, core version of what we do on defense.
2: No, I hear that too, and and the way that you frame it there, I definitely do agree with the idea of sort of, like the point I was making earlier about trying to dictate the terms of engagement to Denver's offense, because as the series has gone on, I thought, I think Denver has controlled their offensive possessions at, like, I don't know, man, 80, 85% of the time, mm-hmm. and that's, like, too high, considering yeah, their the level terms, yeah like considering their level of execution, right? Like they are they are getting a lot of what they want. And one of the reasons why this game was so out of reach for as long as it was, it it was because this was the game where their shot makers were making shots, right? Jamal Murray was really like working um he had his full package going. Like he like some of those Start and stop jumpers that he was making were like, well, they like they reminded me of Luca to a certain extent, right? Like he doesn't have the same same size, but a lot of those almost like euro step into like a step away jumper off of one foot, right? That is is like, oh well, there really is no way to defend that, like it because you're creating enough separation that those are clean looks and then when Jeremy Grant is making the three ball which then makes you close out on him which means he can then attack a closeout and he was getting to the rim he had a couple of nice finishes at the basket he had an and one um too much of that was starting to go Denver's way right and so sure throw in some zone like I said earlier throw in some traps right like uh, leverage, leverage your personnel in different ways to create matchups that go more more in your favor. Um, it's weird because I feel like we're talking as if the Lakers are the team that's down to one, rather than the team that that's up to one. But it's time. But it. But the the. I don't want to say the series is getting away from them, but things are. Things are – it's just a much different tenor through three games than where it was after one game. And just like you said, the Lakers are not playing as well at this point in the series than they were at the start, which is not what it's been for the rest of the playoffs. So,
1: And this is playoff basketball, man. Denver is a good team, and we're going to have to beat them. And part of beating them is – that intensity and effort and part of them part of that is making adjustments it whether it's personnel and schematically we've talked a lot about how this team is a shape-shifting team and it's time to shift our shape a little bit to yeah. contour to what Denver does and to take away what they like to do and accentuate what we do best in our personnel uh, but yeah it's it's something where we should be talking like we're down because that is the necessary and appropriate fear and respect we need to have for Denver, that we're not just going to walk out there and magically beat them because we're a more talented team than they are, which we are. We have to really be down in the weeds of uh, you know making adjustments. We have to find these little places of necessary advantage. If We can't just roll the ball out there and do what we do And we were going to do that as long as we could, right? We got two wins off of playing this way. And part of the value is that, like, seeing a, a new look in a game four, it's that forces them to adjust, right? This whole dance goes both ways. And we've held some things in reserve right that we'll pull out when we need to and we got two wins before we got to that point but we're we're here now and so it's time to shapeshift uh Lakers are certainly capable but they will have to really focus and uh, both in terms of effort but also execution and adjustments so we got game four on Thursday but until then you've been listening to Laker film room podcast we'll catch you guys next time
2: the Angels got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy.
0: Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores.
2: There's Magic, got it.
3: Magic fires. again. And the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game!
0: Gamble in and out. The ball is tipped, and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Ixel. This is for the win. He got it! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so, around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP you're chance right, in Boston. In Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are That's you kidding hit. me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot lockdown down. Lakers by three. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back. Didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the There's move. Two, one. Missed Brian. yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot! I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?